when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. My name is Sari Delamont. If you don't already know who I am, thanks for joining us if you're joining us for the first time. Well, today we're going to be talking about body language. Yeah, let's talk about body language. I think there's a lot of misconceptions around body language and what it is and why you need to have command of it and be more purposeful with it. And of course, the majority of my work revolves around body language uh, as I'm a nonverbal communication expert. But you know, this is a great time to discuss, and maybe I've said this in previous episodes, that I am not a body language expert. So I can't say this enough. So if I have repeated, I apologize, but I'm going to repeat myself again. I want to be really clear that when we talk about body language, most of you probably think about the body language expert, you know, the person that you can hire to come in and watch the jury's body language and then tell you whether they're good or bad. And I just don't believe that that is even possible. And, and frankly, I think it's a, it's a waste of your time and money and it's a distraction because when we're talking about courtroom communication, what we're really talking about is honing in on being purposeful. And when you outsource that, so to speak, when you say, hey, listen, here's this technique or formula that I can get somebody else to do, and that will kind of solve that problem, you release your power in the situation. It's really all about what you create together with the jurors. That's what makes the magic happen. So I first of all don't believe that you can even do that, watch someone's body language and then decipher what they're thinking or feeling or if they're good or bad or whatever the case may be. So I don't believe it can can happen. And two, I think the focus is on the wrong place. Do we want to watch the juror's body language? Absolutely. And we'll talk about that as best we can, as obviously it's hard to talk about body language on a podcast in future episodes. However, my focus in my work, which is why people come out to me or bring me to them, is to focus on your body language, because that is the place of power. That is where we want to really focus all of our attention because that's where all good things start. Yes, we'll be watching other people, but we do that so we can see if what we're doing is working. You know, other people serve as a mirror to us so that we can continually be adjusting. If you've listened to the, uh, episode on nonverbal uh, communication and why you must master it. In there, I talked about, at least I think I did, you know, the three parts of nonverbal intelligence, the awareness, the adaptability, the authenticity. And so when you get aware of what you're communicating, then you can adapt your communication to meet the needs of the situation, which is what we're going to talk about today. So let's first start by defining what 
I mean by body language. I mean, there's so many things that you can look at in terms of what we're communicating with our body. And in fact, many things I throw into the quote unquote nonverbal communication realm. You know, you got nonverbal communication and then you've got verbal communication. So verbal communication to me is words, basically. But anything having to do outside of words is nonverbal communication, meaning the way your voice sounds, that's nonverbal communication. The tone that you're using, that's nonverbal communication. The types of words you use and phrases, that's nonverbal communication because that in itself sends a message. So the actual words are the verbal communication, but the way you combine them, the way you speak them, the way you hold your body, that all is in the nonverbal communication realm. So to make this easy for years and years, and I still do this today, what I do to help my clients think about this is there's really four basic areas that you can focus on in terms of nonverbal communication. So there's what you do with your body. So that's things like stance or how you hold your head or how you're gesturing with your arms and your hands and your palms, uh, what you're doing with your face, so on and so forth. It can also include things like movement, how you're moving in the space, how you're holding your body as you, let's say in the courtroom, are dealing with a visual, how you point, those kinds of things. So that's all in the kind of body realm. The second uh, realm of body body language is the voice. So that is, how does your voice sound? What kind of voice tone are you using? We're going to talk about both body and voice today in today's podcast. Uh, the third realm of nonverbal communication is eye contact. And we had a great podcast or an episode on that. Uh, I think it was last week. So if you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to the one on eye contact. Of course, there's so much more to talk about in terms of eye contact. We just talked about what you think it means and how you most often are wrong about that in the last episode. And then the fourth realm is breathing. So every time I'm helping a client increase their facility and nonverbal communication, we're working in one of these four realms. We're either dealing with what they're doing with their body, what they're doing with their voice, what they're doing with their eyes, or how they're breathing. Okay. So that will really help when you're looking at your own nonverbal communication and bringing up your skill level. You can think about it in those four types. So here's what I really want you to get about nonverbal communication is that if you want different results, you have to change your body language. Meaning if you want to change your results, you have to change your body language because how you communicate nonverbally really has an impact or makes an impact on how your message is received, which of course then has a huge impact on what your result is. This is why I think nonverbal communication is so important because yes, we have different words that we can choose, but we have so many different ways of communicating nonverbally. And that's really what, where The magic happens in that when you become an excellent communicator, what you're doing is increasing all of the skills, yes, that you have available. And that includes, you know, the different ways to word something, of course, but you're looking at in addition to all of the different ways you can communicate non-verbally, and then you're looking at what is appropriate now. I mean, that's really one of the things that I think defines the difference between great communicators and everybody else 
is that great communicators are highly skilled and so are a lot of other people. But the difference is, is timing. They know when to use what skill. And that makes all the difference in the world. I mean, let's go back to this idea that if you want to change your results, you have to change your body language. For example, you have to use a particular type of body language if you want to get jurors talking, but you have to use a completely different body language if you want to communicate to the jurors that you're the leader that they need. Now, if you reverse that and you get that wrong and use the wrong body language in the wrong context, the wrong time, you are now not going to get the result you want. So if you use a particular type of quote unquote leadership body language, when you're attempting to get the jurors to talk to you, they won't talk to you because you're communicating, I'm the leader, I'm the one that's supposed to talk. And we know that the listener takes their cues from us non-verbally, meaning we can say, I want to hear from you. I want you to talk. But if our non-verbal communication doesn't match that, people will go with the non-verbal message and, and remain silent, for example, in that, in that example. So for example, I'm using the word example quite a bit, <laughs> I just noticed, but in my upcoming book from Hostage to Hero, which is set to be released in September, we're very excited about that. We don't have pre-sale information yet, but we should in August. For those of you, I know some of you have already asked, thank you so much, I'm very flattered that you want it so badly. Um, Trial Gods will give us that information in August. But in the book, I talk about how as you move through the four steps of moving jurors from hostage to hero, your role changes. And as your role changes, that requires that you use a different type of body language. So for example, when you're first starting with jurors, you have to act as guide. And your job is to guide them and guard them in the process that they're in. They're newly to the courtroom. They don't know what's going on. You've got to be guide. Once you've guided them and kind of gotten them calmed down a little bit, they have a little bit of information, then your job and your role changes to facilitator. So now you want to get jurors to engage with you and the content. Once they're engaged with the content, your role is going to now change to teacher. And your role is to now give information. And of course, your nonverbal communication now changes yet again. And so in this one, your job is to inform and to inspire. And that takes a completely different type of body language. And finally, when you get to the last phase, you, your role changes from teacher to leader. And that, again, is a fourth type of body language. Now, you might think about this and go, oh my goodness, this is so much to think about. But it really isn't. It's just, again, those four things that we're talking about, body, voice, uh, eye contact, and breathing. Those all change slightly to adapt to the situation, or in this case, the role that you now have to step into as you move jurors from hostage to hero. But again, keep in mind that what's important here is that you are doing the right thing at the right time. If you have the same approach to every situation, you're, you're limited in your communication. And that's what I think this is really all about is this idea that your communication must be flexible. Most of us go through life learning to communicate by watching other people, most most likely the people closest in our lives. And we kind of have this, this style that's imprinted upon us as this is how I communicate. 
The problem with that is that it's only one way. And if you go back and listen to the the episode on authenticity, I talk about this, about how we kind of think anything outside of the box of me, quote unquote, is inauthentic. And what I'm saying is when you get past those limiting thoughts of there's only one way to communicate and you start to play with the variety of ways to communicate nonverbally, that's where things really get good. Because now you start filling your your bag of tricks, so to speak. And as you start to have different ways of communicating, you can now look at the situation and, and ask yourself, what's needed now? And then you can bring forth that particular type of communication. And that's really where this becomes not only good, but fun. So today let's talk about two particular types of body language and voice pattern that I teach uh, my clients, and I'll do my best to get this across to you uh, using only my voice. Uh, but as when our, our course comes out in January is, is the projected date, uh, make sure that you uh, check us out for that because this will have lots of videos and things to be showing you these nonverbal skills. So today we're talking about two different types of nonverbal communication that you can use to your advantage. And I think this is a really great starting place because if we just give you two things to play with, I think this you'll see that this is going to make a tremendous difference in how you are being perceived and received by jurors and anyone else in your life. If you think about it, nearly every communication situation is one in which you are either sending information or seeking information. I mean, think about that. You're either telling someone something or you're asking someone something. Just think of an example like Starbucks, right? If you go in there and you have the same thing every day, you're sending information. So when it's your time to order, you say, hi, great. I would love a tall soy nonfat latte, which is my drink of choice. And you've just delivered information. But let's say you go to Dutch Brothers for the first time. And so you come in and you're not sure if they even do soy lattes. So you walk in and you say, yeah, do you guys even do soy lattes here? Now I'm seeking information. Now, I want you to notice something about that, just even in my voice, how the difference in my tone sounds. When I order my coffee and I know what I want, my voice curls down. So I say, yeah, I would like a non-fat or non-fat. I would like a tall soy light foam latte. Listen how it goes down, latte. All right. But when I'm asking the question, do you guys even do soy lattes here? My voice, voice curls up. So let's label both of those. The first one is called the authoritative voice pattern. That's when your voice curls down. And you can think of that as the James Bond voice pattern, all right? When you curl your voice up, however, that's called the approachable voice pattern. You can think of Mr. Rogers. Won't you be my neighbor? I cannot wait to see the new Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks. Oh my goodness, it's gonna be great. So think about this. If you want to be purposeful, you will now take this information and use it to your advantage. When you want to send the message that this is something you need to hear or receive from me, that's important. Curl your voice down. Use the authoritative voice pattern. So think about this in opening statement. When you have your hook or your opening rule, there is a rule in medicine that says, listen to my voice. It curls down. It sends the message that this is one-way communication. You are the receiver. I am the sender. This is important. 
But when you're seeking information, let's say you're in voir dire and you want to get jurors to talk to you, you can't use that voice pattern anymore. If you use this voice pattern and ask jurors to talk to you, they just won't. You have to go to the approachable voice pattern and curl your voice up and say, okay, now who here has ever been in a car crash? Yeah, can you tell me about that? This cues the jury on what is appropriate when. It not only does it for you, it does it for them. And here's why this is such a huge thing, is that jurors have the least amount of information in the room. If you go back to the earlier episodes in this podcast about the scarf model, jurors have the lowest status. They don't have any certainty. When you use the right nonverbal communication, you make them feel safer because you're saying nonverbally, this is what I want you to do. When you use the authoritative voice pattern, for example, you're saying, I want you to listen to me without having to say, I want you to listen to me. The voice pattern just communicates it. And when you use the approachable voice pattern, what you're communicating is, I would like to hear from you. I would like to listen to you without saying, I would like to listen to you. It's so much easier, for example, and it's also clearer and the jurors really, really cue into this because it's, it just makes the whole thing much easier to swallow on their behalf. Plus it makes you a purposeful communicator. Now, if you really want to bring this home, you're going to add the body language to this. So when you're using the authoritative voice pattern, you're going to want to stand with legs or feet, uh, weight over both feet. So your stance is very even. If you're gesturing, you want to turn your palms down. You want to hold your head very still. So now not only will you sound authoritative, you will look authoritative. And that will make your message even stronger. On the flip side, if you want to use that approachable voice pattern, you want to get people to talk to you, you're going to want to put your weight over one foot. You're going to want to uh, turn your palms up. You're going to want to tilt your head or bob it while you're speaking. And that's going to send the message of, I want to hear from you. Listen, you may think, what's the big deal? I mean, just doing these little things are going to make a huge difference. Yes, they're going to make an enormous difference. I mean, let's just talk for a moment about the idea that jurors are talked to to death, right? All we do is lob verbal information at them. So anytime we can clearly communicate non-verbally what we want them to do, whether we want them to listen or we want them to talk, that reduces our need for verbal communication. And it makes it easier on everybody. We don't overtire the jury. For example, things like, you know, instead of saying, would you raise your hand if you have ever been in a car crash? You can get rid of all that verbal information by just saying, who here has been in a car crash while raising your hand? Because when you raise your hand, you're non-verbally communicating, please raise your hand if you've been in a car crash. But you get rid of the extra verbal. I mean, this is really what we're talking about. We're talking about getting really savvy. It should be to the point that when you open your mouth, you've got some terrific content to drop, not wasting it on stupid verbal instructions that you could get away with doing non-verbally. The same thing can be said for authoritative and approachable. It cues the listener on what is appropriate now. And at bonus, it makes you look savvy because your non-verbal communication is matching what you're wanting the jurors to do verbally. And it just works out great for everybody. All right. So that's the little lesson today on body language and voice pattern. We'll talk about breathing in future uh, podcasts. Let's experiment with going in between authoritative and approachable. And you're, again, your general rule of thumb is, am I sending or seeking information? If you're sending, try a coffee tomorrow morning. 
Use that authoritative voice, get weight over both feet. If you are seeking, get that weight over one foot and use that rolling voice that curls upward. Notice how it will absolutely change the result or the impact that you have on your listener. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. We'll talk to you next week. That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sorry Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sorry's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.